Thank you so much. Great to see you. Will you join with me first in giving a big shout out to Kingsgate London, who next weekend are moving to a new location in Finsbury Park. So go, go. And also, as this is my first message of this new year and this new decade. I want to say a big happy new year to everybody in Peterborough, in Cambridge, and in Leicester. Well, last week we started this series on faith, and comment was made about how much things can change in 10 years. Here's a couple of photos of me, one in 2010, the other a bit more recent. How many agree nothing much has changed? I mean, come on, be honest. Maybe a, a bit grayer and a bit wiser, I hope. But the, the reality is, if we look at other spheres of life, uh, much has changed. I mean, back in 2010, Man City had never won the Premier League. I mean, four years on, what, what can you say? Four Premier Leagues, two FA Cup, four League Cup finals. Some of you want me to stop right now. But anyway, the point is, lots can change in 10 years, can't, can't it? And as I was thinking about this, and we were praying about this series of faith, it would be a great way to start both a new year, but also a new decade. So I wonder what it is if you think about your life and you look ahead to this year, 2020, but also 10 years from now, what could change, not just naturally in either decline or hopefully advance, but given that we are believers in Jesus Christ and we have the supernatural power of a, a loving God available to us, how much do you think God could do in your life, in my life, in this church, in our nation, in the nations in 10 years? A whole bunch, amen? So I'm sure we've all got aspirations. Some of you may be thinking, well, um, I could redo really with a personal breakthrough this year. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial, work, relational issue. I know talking to many others, talking to some of my fellow team, and in fact, talking to other leaders in the nation, there's many of us who are saying, Lord, do something fresh in our nation in terms of an outpouring of your spirit like we've never seen before. That's what we long for. Amen. Now in our day and our time. So the question is, whether there's some personal issues or church or national, international issues, how can we see some of the dreams and desires and hopes that we have for breakthrough or for greater blessing actually realized? Well, the number one answer is we, we, if you like, receive what God has said and what God has promised by faith. Say that, by faith. There's something, as we heard last week, that faith makes all the difference. Jesus put it this way in Mark 9, 23. I love this. He says, all things or everything is possible for the one who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. So if faith is that important, I believe it's important that we spend these next few weeks looking at kind of what it is. And so what I want to do today is unpack a little bit about what is faith and how does it work and how can we grow in it? How many like to grow in faith in 2020? Amen. And indeed for the rest of your life. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to look at um, an Old Testament guy called Abram, uh, a guy who was a pagan. He wasn't looking for God. God found him. God took the initiative. And to this guy who was married and they were past childbearing, everything looked impossible. God said two things. He said, I'm going to give you a land. You need to leave where you are and go inherit the land. And I'm going to give you a son. 
And we, the story of Abraham is like a wonderful journey of faith. In fact, in Romans chapter 4, it says that he is the father of our faith. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Abraham, if you like, as a backstory, and also share some principles that I've learned over probably about 35 years of faith. And I've encapsulated this in this little card. I've got five principles of faith. Can I say, health warning, this is not a formula. How many know that we have a relationship with a loving, living God? We're not formulaic. But these are five key principles, and I've tried to make it really simple and memorable. You can take it with you, put it in your Bible, or put it on your fridge, or uh, whatever. So let's say these five kind of principles of faith together. Can we say them out loud wherever we're gathered? Number one, hear it, know it, say it, do it, wait for it. Say it again. Hear it, know it, say it, do it, wait for it. And so let me look at each of those briefly in turn. The first thing is, the, the first, if you like, principle of faith. If we want faith, we've got to hear it. What have we got to hear? Well, Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is not something that you make up. Faith is not something that you work up. Faith is something that comes from God through his word. Let me put it simply, faith comes by hearing God speak to you. Uh, the great news is faith comes. <laughs> It'd be a bit mean of God, isn't it, if faith changes everything for us not to be able to get faith. You see, when you hear from God, faith is present. When the word is absent, faith is absent. It's as simple as that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word, word there, Many of you probably heard this before. There's two main uh, words for the word in, in the New Testament, two primary words. One is the logos, which is like the general revealed truth and will of God. The word used here is the word rhema, which is a, the, the idea of a spoken or a personalized word. In other words, um, how, many, how, many, how many know that theologically God is good and God loves you? But when you have a rhema or a word from God and you know that you know that you know that God is good and that God loves you, everything changes. It's a personalized word from God. So how does God speak to us, this kind of a word that brings faith? Well, there's two primary ways. Firstly, he speaks, if you like, directly from his presence and by his spirit. But he also has spoken to us in the Bible and therefore, we can go to the Word of God and get the promises of God and God speak to us through His Word. Let, let me take both in turn. It's, re it's really important that we get this clearly. The first is, God comes to a guy, this guy called Abraham. He doesn't have a Bible. You know that. The Bible hadn't yet been written. And so the only way God could speak to him, if he was like, was personally and directly. Here's a guy minding his own business. He hears a word from God, basically saying, you're to leave where you are, go to a land that you've never been to. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to do a miracle and I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation even though you haven't got a single child and it looks medically impossible for you to conceive. That word from God changed Abraham's whole life. Before he heard God speak, he didn't have any faith. When God spoke, faith came. Last week, reference was made to you know, the start of our Kingsgate journey. We'd already decided, we'd heard in our spirit, if you like, that we were called to move from Oxford to come to Peterborough to start what was Peterborough Community Church. On the way, say on the way. 
as we were already moving, many of you have heard it before, but we had a prophetic word from somebody, and the word was, think big or you'll limit me. Now, that one word completely changed my life, but also I believe it changed the future of the last 31 years for us as a church. And guess what? Because it's still a now word, because we're still called to think big, it's going to continue to change our future together. The word has come by the Spirit, and immediately we can say yes and amen. There is more for us, because God has pronounced sovereignly over us as a community in our different centers, think big or you'll limit me. Keep thinking big. The point is, the word comes and faith comes. So God comes and he will speak to you that way. And that's great. God, if you like, sovereignly initiates. But the great news is we don't have to wait passively hoping for God to speak by the Spirit because we have the Old and New Testament and we have all through the Bible a multitude of promises that cover almost every aspect of life. So let's say you're looking for a breakthrough in a a certain area. I would encourage you, as well as reading the Bible systematically, go to the Word intentionally in the area you want to see breakthrough and, and meditate on the Word and faith will begin to come. So how how many could do with areas of personal breakthrough? Or or let's say we want to believe for salvation for for whole communities. Let's say we want to believe for a move of God. Let's say you, you need healing or a financial breakthrough. I want to tell you, all through the Bible, there are promises that you can get a hold of and meditate on. And as you intentionally go to the word, faith will begin to come. Um, I heard a story, uh, uh, I think it may be apocryphal, uh, but of a, a guy who uh, g- gets an inheritance and he goes and decides to buy a big farmhouse in Portugal. Um, he looks on the internet, goes to the place, and when he actually goes to view it, it's raining, so he just, he just buy, buys it and doesn't bother to check out the barn um, a- across the road, which is also part of the, the territory. So he, he gets to the point, pays for it, starts living in the house. A couple of days later, he thinks, well, I think I'm going to go and check out what's in that barn. He goes to the barn. It's padlocked. It's shut. So he breaks the lock, opens up, and peers into this barn to find 12.6 million pounds of classic cars lined up. How many know he got more than he bargained for? (laughs) He got more than he paid for. And and although it's an imperfect illustration, I think there's something about this when it comes to faith. Aren't you glad, if you like, that you have the fundamentals of forgiveness and eternal life? God is your Father, praise God. Heaven on earth is our home. Those things are sure. But I believe it's not that we've got, you know, we've got way more than 12.6 million pounds of classic cars stored up. The Bible says no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. We've been blessed already through Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. There's like there's a heavenly storehouse. And as you look at this year, 2020, as we look at this, this decade together, let's not stop short. Let's not, if you like, allow the storehouse to be locked up. The question is, how do, how do we enter what, and possess what's already been given us? We enter by faith. Now, the good news is, we don't have to pay for it. Guess what? Jesus Christ has already paid for it all. Amen? He has already made us heirs of all the promise of God. So I want to encourage you at the start of this year, go to the word intentionally and watch 
how faith will come. That's the first thing. Say, hear it. Second one, and this is where we really come to the essence of faith, we've got to know it. We saw last week, Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is, say this word with me, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and then say this word, and assurance about what we do not see. I often describe it, faith is like you get spiritually pregnant. Now, I've never been pregnant physically, you'll be pleased to know. But it's like you're spiritually pregnant. It's like you have something, you know it's there, you're just waiting for it to manifest. Faith is not make-believe. Faith is not even hoping. I hope things are going to change. Do you know the difference between faith and hope? Faith is a no-so. I know that I know that I know that something's going to happen. And God knows that, how many know that that's not always easy? (laughs) How do you like to see something tangibly before, before you declare it? So the, the way faith works, God says, now I want to show you something. I want you to believe something before you see it. I want you to see it in the spirit before you see it. And God knows that. And so he often helps us on the journey. And God helped Abraham. He started out. He had promises. If you look back at the story from Genesis 12 through 14, God begins to promise him, I'm going to make you a great nation. Um, On one occasion, he says, I want you to look at the sand on the seashore and so shall your descendants be. At the moment, they're still barren. There's There's still no son. There's still no family. And then there comes a point in Genesis 15 where God says to him, right, in effect, I'm paraphrasing. I really want to help you. I want you to go out and look at the sky and see if you can count the stars. And do you know what he says to him? He says, and so shall your offspring be. And in one of the most quoted verses in the New Testament, it says this, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. It was almost like seeing that picture, uh, that that faith picture meant that at that moment, faith came. Uh, I remember, um, again, many years ago, 10 years ago, 2010, Kingsgate was in one center in Peterborough. About um, a year or so before that, um, summer of 28, uh, 2008, I remember I was on a summer study break and I felt God say to me very clearly, I wasn't expecting it, it's time to think big again, to widen your horizons and I want you to start thinking about other cities in the UK and the first is to be Cambridge. So I had, how many know sometimes it's wise to hold something in your heart, not just blurt out the minute you get it. So I shared with the, the very close team and then I was down in Cambridge um, studying about a few months later, wasn't thinking about anything to do with, with what God had said. And as I was walking down a particular street, I could tell you almost the very spot where I was, suddenly, say suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I saw something. It was almost like an open vision. And I saw what I'd already heard in my spirit going to Cambridge. I saw a picture of this, not a building, but of a people, a large strategic city center church that would impact that city and region and would reach multitude of students who go all around the world and make a difference. Can I say at that point, I got it. You see, there was something about the seeing it. There was something about that picture that meant that I had that inner knowing. And so um, I'm really looking forward to this autumn celebrating with Kingsgate Cambridge a great 10 years. In fact, why don't we right now in advance, let's just applaud all that God has done 
in Kingsgate, Cambridge. What a great start. What a wonderful investment from Simon and Zia and the leaders there. But I'm also expectant for more because I've seen it. Do you get it? I've seen something ahead of time. And that's what God wants to do. He wants, if you like, to paint on the, on, on the, the, the fabric of your heart, visions and dreams, so that it's not just you're going to declare something when you have it. You're going to be able to say confidently, I know that I know that I know ahead of time. How many could do with an, a strengthening of an inner assurance and inner confidence? Faith comes as we know it. So let's say this together. Hear it. Know it. And then thirdly, say this together, say it. You see, it's so important that faith isn't just something that stays on the inside. Faith is something that is to manifest on the outset, on the outside. This starts the moment we become Christians. Listen to this, Romans 10, 9 to 10. says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can we say this verse together? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Notice there, heart and mouth, heart and mouth. I remember many years ago witnessing to a, a young guy called Kenny um, at a university, and it was like he'd made an inner decision, but it was like his faith was dormant. Did you know that? it was like there wasn't a lot kind of light and joy coming? And it came to the point when he got baptized and we asked him to share testimony. And as he started speaking out of his mouth what God had done, it was like suddenly his life got filled with joy. How many know that faith needs to be believed in the heart, but it needs to be declared out of our mouths? And this is what happens for Abram. You see, here he is. He's heard God. He's believed in his heart. But he's human, like you and me. And he was still kind of struggling with this whole journey of faith. And so God comes to him at one point and, and changes his name. He says, no longer will you be called Abram, which meant exalted father. Your name will be Abraham, or father of many. Listen to the tense. For I have made you a father of many nations. So here's a God who caused things into being that were not. God is actually saying, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, do you know something very powerful about saying or singing who God is and what he's going to do for us? There's something very powerful. I mean, I love it when we come on Sunday morning. How do you find your faith being built as we sing out some of these powerful songs? You know, who can stop the Lord Almighty? And the answer, of course, is no one or nothing. We're, we're, we're declaring, we're singing out our faith. There's something powerful about declaring. It's one thing to know deep within you that you are a child of God. But guess what? Your whole life can change when you not just believe it in your heart. You start speaking out of your mouth. I am a love, beloved child of God. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the, of the living God. I'm an heir of God. All things are available to me in Christ. Something is activated after you speak it out of your mouth. I've said for many years, you will believe more what comes out of your mouth than what comes out of my mouth. Some of you are not sure about that. It's true. 
You see, when you actually internalize faith and you actually start speaking it, very often that's when the reality comes. I believe we need to, and I've been praying this morning for every one of us, I believe God wants to give us a supernatural boldness to declare things into being. I love the fact that, so here's Abram, he's now Abraham, he's, he is, as, as God's called him to be, he is now by name a father of many nations. So Sarah says to him, hi Abe, babe, what's your name now? Abraham. What's that mean? Father of many nations. Do you think we have got a bit of a problem here, Abraham? You see, God is actually reinforcing day after day, every time his name was called, every time he spoke his name, day after day, month after month, year after year, and you know they had to wait a long time, we'll come to that in just a moment, they were declaring day after day, hour after hour. And I don't know about you, I've had times, faith battles in the last 35 years, and we've just had to stand on the word of God, not just believe it, but say it, and say it, and say it, and the devil hates it when you declare the word of God, but something changes, not just in your life, in the spiritual atmosphere, when you learn to say it. Yeah, come on. Declare your faith in Jesus' name. Uh, Jesus famously said this in Mark 11:23. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, anyone does what? Says to this mountain. Do you know there's a time to pray about a thing and there's a time to say something? He doesn't say pray about the mountain, he says speak to the mountain. It's good to pray, it's good to intercede. But this is, he, he's calling us to operate in a kind of faith that God operates. Do you know how God created the universe? He spoke it. He declared it. Go, uh, it says, if anyone says this mountain, go th throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I want to stir us up Kingsgate at the start of this year. It's not that we deny reality. It's not that Abraham was saying, well, actually, you know, I'm 30 and, and Sarah's 20 and we're young and virile. He, he, it says later on, he faced the fact he knew that facts didn't, didn't look promising, but instead, it says he didn't waver by, by unbelief. He kept speaking, and he kept speaking, and he kept speaking. How many know right now our nation is not in a great place spiritually? So we need to, the people of God to rise up and say, by faith we believe we're going to see a move of God in our cities and in our nation like never before. Amen. We believe Jesus is the Lord of our cities. Right now, you may be facing some kind of difficulty in your life, but you're not denying the difficulty. In fact, right through the start, Psalms, you've got these whole Psalms of lament where the psalmists are very honest about where they're at. And they're saying, oh, whoa, this is awful. But nearly always, they end up with, but God. I believe we need to be a but God people. Amen. I believe we need to speak right into the midst of the storm and say, yes, I'm in a storm, but God. Yes, this is tough, but God. And, and, and yes, we're, we're waiting for the ultimate reality when Jesus comes back. And aren't you looking forward to a day, as we, again, we reminded last week of a new heavens, new earth, when the new bodies, no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. We're not in that day right now, but I believe by faith, we need to get a hold of what God has said. And as much as we can enjoy in this life, let's enjoy it. Let your kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. We've got to say it. Hear it, know it, say it. Number four, 
Say this with me. Do it. Do it. Uh, James 2 verse 17 says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. We've got to do it. I'm not talking about a recklessness, but I am talking about a holy proactivity. I often joke with our oldest daughter, Emily, one of her favorite phrases when she was younger was, if I had a, sort of a, a crazy suggestion to do something fun, her thing was just always, her instinctive thing was, do it, Dad, let's do it. And I believe there's something in us that faith is not passive. Faith needs to be proactive. Let's look at Abram. And you know that he was an incredible man of faith. I mean, without any Bible, without any church, without any small group, he obeys a God who he's never met before, who tells him to leave the country and the, the family and the lifestyle that he's always lived in and to go to a country he's never been to. Isn't that amazing? That was a choice. If he'd stayed where he was, he'd never have inherited what God had promised him. Now, it doesn't mean we're, we're being silly. It doesn't mean, it's obviously something as big as that, you've got to make sure it's God. And now we do have, thank God, others around us that can check it out. Uh, mature uh, people in the church, we do have a Bible to check out we're not being crazy. Amen. We do have the example of Abraham himself to encourage and to inspire us. But nonetheless, he started to leave where he was at. And then if you read the story carefully, you'll find out he ends up stopping halfway at a place called Haran. And then God speaks to him again and says to him, no, no, this isn't your destination. You're to get out of this land and you're to go all the way to the promised land. Everywhere you see Abraham, in fact, everywhere you see the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, nearly all of them are doing something to demonstrate their faith. I mean, what does Noah do? He doesn't just shout about, I'm going to build an ark. He has to build it. Can I say, if, Abraham, if Noah hadn't built the ark ahead of when the rains came, it would have been too late. And so I believe there's something about faith. We need to act on what God is saying if we're going to see um, the fullness of what God has for us. I mean, as I look back at my Christian life, I can honestly say that most of the significant things God has done is not just when I heard it and knew it and said it, it's when I acted on what God was saying. I mean, if I look back, you know, one of the most significant early things, partly because of church background I grew up in, I, I was a believer, I'd repented, I was totally born again, I loved God, but I'd not been baptized. I remember started reading things in the Bible it doesn't just say repent, it says repent and be baptized. It doesn't just say believe, it says believe and be baptized. And there's a real wrestle. Can we know that um, for different reasons and partly because the enemy hates people getting baptized because it, when it marks you out publicly and you're saying I'm going full out for, forever as a follower of Jesus, that there's often a resistance. I felt that resistance. Then finally, I was reading this book. Uh, about discipleship and the clinch for me when the author basically said that Jesus got baptized he didn't need to because he was perfect but he did it for your example and if you're a follower of Jesus you need to get baptized can I say at that point there was no like you know flash of lightning I didn't have sense angels in the room I just sensed from the word if I'm going to obey God and be his follower I need to take the step to get baptized 
The run-up to it, I didn't feel anything other than an internal battle because I believe the spiritual warfare getting. But from the moment I got baptized, it was like the heavens were opened. I know not everybody feels something, but I believe spiritually I was shutting the door to my old life. I was saying for now and forever, I'm not just privately a child of God. I'm publicly declaring to God, to myself, to people around, to powers and principalities, there's no going back. Amen. (laughs) But I had to act on what I believed. I had to make a faith step. And I could look all the way through, you know, our journey whether it be you know, committing to a local church back as a student, whether it be tithing, whether it be moving to Peterborough, whether it be stepping out and going, quote, full-time into ministry when there wasn't any money, a time and time again, actions and doing it has been a key to moving forward with God. So my question to you is, where are you at today? Some of you may not have never, uh, as it were, stepped into the, this Christian journey, this Christian life, and you're looking on and you're, you're sort of wondering and waiting. Sometimes you just got to do it. Others of you, um, you're not baptized. You don't, don't wait any longer. If you're a born-again Christian want to follow Jesus, don't wait to be perfect. Get in the water to baptism. The power of God will help you. Get baptized. Some of you may have started out on the journey of faith, and you've got, and this, I really sense this as I was praying. Some of you have, like, you've, you've got stuck halfway, like you've left where you are, but you haven't entered into what God has for you. Can I stir us up at the start of this year and say, if we've got stuck, let's get unstuck, and let May 2020 be a year of radical obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's go all the way. Let's do it. And then finally, Let's wait for it. <laughs> How many love it when God speaks, you believe it, you, you act on it, and immediately you get a miracle? Or is it just me? Is it just me? No, no, we love it. And, and thank God for miracles. Thank God for the suddenlies. And we're believing for more of that in 2020. But, but if Abraham's the father of our faith and our example, in most areas of our lives, faith is more of a journey than a process, and a process. Uh, we, 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 I remember years ago as a young Christian when I'd been learning a lot about faith, and I, I was kind of, lo, 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 a lot of kind of things were going to happen, but I really was struggling with waiting, and I came across this verse in Hebrews 6 verse 12. It says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith, and then there was an irritating little word that popped up. Through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. And I felt the Lord say, I've been teaching you about faith, now I need to teach you about patience. And that's another whole sermon, you know some of my struggles on that one. But waiting doesn't come naturally, does it? But it says in Hebrews 6.15, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. See, for some of us, and I believe even today, some of you are going to get a suddenly, even, even just as I'm preaching, even in this meeting, wherever you're, whatever center you're in, God is going to speak to you. Some of you are going to receive something right now. But for many of us, it may be next week. It may be as you're in your life group and you're digesting the word and you're praying together. That's very often, you know, I think, find God often meets with me in, in my guys' group. We pray together, something happens. Others of us, you know, it may be weeks, it may be months. But let's believe that wherever at, whether it's this day, this week, this year, or even, dare I say it, sometime later in the decade, if we want to see the really big things of God, let's not grow weary, amen, let's not give up, let's not be discouraged, but let's learn to wait for it. 
And let's not allow our Insta age, you know, Instagram. We want everything instant, don't we? I mean, you know, right now, everything has to be faster. We, we're not even prepared to wait seconds, are we, in technology? It's got to be instant. But can I say that militants against biblical faith? Biblical faith says, I've heard it. I'm growing in knowing it. I'm speaking it out. I'm saying I'm acting on it. But I also know that God is the author of timing. And, and guess what? The waiting zone is not a wasted zone. Can I say God does things in us while we're waiting? Do you know how long Abram had to wait from the first time God spoke to him? Some of you don't want to hear this, 25 years. And I don't believe many of the promises of God, we have to wait that long. But sometimes they're almost like lifetime promises over our lives. Let's learn to wait for it. Let's learn from Abram. Let's, let's learn from a guy who, even though what he was believing for was impossible, it says, without weakening in faith, I love the fact that he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Now, he, didn't, he didn't deny the facts. He's not in unreality. We don't want any of that. He, he was real about what was real, but it says, I love this, yet he did not waver. Say, so he did not waver. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Do you know in the waiting time, God did something in Abram. Do you know even more important than what we receive is who we're becoming? Because who we are is what's going to be for eternity. Amen? And so whether you're believing for a miracle right now or whether you've got to wait for it, let's believe that if we stand on the word of God, God is all powerful and he's all loving and we are going to receive way more than we've ever seen because he's a good God. He's paid for blessings through Jesus Christ and we want to get a hold of them and receive them in his name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your promises to us. They are yes and amen. And I pray, Father, Lord, that there would be a deposit of faith and revelation in the hearts and minds of every single one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.